writing has changed so much throughout the years is one thing that I have realized. And even reading other people's work where I can see different writing styles, different creativities, all that stuff, different formatting, even formatting is different in books nowadays. Like that, that energizes me just to know that it's like, it's endless. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with author Bernice Burgos. Bernice began her writing journey as a poet, then ventured into the world of paranormal romance and urban fantasy. Bernice managed to publish three books in the year 2020, which is an incredible feat. Bernice shares her insights into her approach for creating her stories and her lifelong relationship with writing. The first book in Bernice's series is Angel, The Memories of Eden and Earth, which can be found on Amazon along with other books in the series. I'm really excited to share my conversation with Bernice, so let's get over to it. As always, thank you, Misha Zarens, for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, Bernice Burgos. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well, Walker. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Really excited to have you. Um, so you and I were just joking a little bit before we started recording, but to be clear, you are Bernice Burgos, the author, um, yeah. not Bernice Burgos, the model, which if people Google, they may find either results. So just to be clear, uh, but your website actually does a great job of solving that because it is BerniceBurgosAuthor.com. Um, <laughs> so people can check out your work there. Uh, so Bernice, you are an author uh, and so far three books. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yep. And were all three published in 2020? Yes. Ironically, like I was popping them out like babies, I guess. Yeah, I think if someone had three babies in a calendar year, now if there were twins yeah. or triplets, I guess it could work. But otherwise, that's a, a miracle of science. Um, well, no, so I, 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 that's super cool. And that's super, I mean, that's incredible that you were able to, to, to put that much work out in that, you know, in just a single year. Um, and, and I was kind of reading through, I, I have not read the, the books myself, but I was reading through kind of the summaries. They're all related. Yeah. Like it's all the same world and kind of at least one character is a through line through all of them. Yeah. So what happens is that one of them is a novel and then there's two novelas that are stuck to it. So the, no, no, the novelas pretty much give a, um, uh, intro to the characters it gives a backstory so okay. there you get to know a little bit more of where they came from um their families and that sort of jazz it's actually you know it's funny enough like i wrote these books and um one of them like when i go back and reread because now that i'm working on the fourth book obviously it's like <laughs> with so many events that happen you have to tend to go back you know when i tend to read the backstories i'm like wow, this is actually some pretty darn good writing here. <laughs> I started to toot my own horn, like, this is really hey. good. Like, yeah. I turned this into a Netflix series. <laughs> but, awesome. Um, mm -hmm, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that's that's super cool. Um, and yeah, and you should toot your own horn. I mean, clearly, if you've published three books in a year, there's you're on to something here, right? <laughs> yeah, I like to believe uh, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I, you know, honestly, is 
I've actually interviewed several authors, but I don't think that the the idea of, of a novel versus a novella has come up before. And you kind of described that the novellas kind of support the the novel, if you will, in a way. But what is the difference for laymen like me that don't don't know all these literary terms? What is the difference between a novella and a, and a novel typically? So the novellas are just pretty much shorter versions of books. They're generally around, say, 100 pages tops. Um, okay. They tend to... You know, some of them tend to focus on different characters also, like one set of characters so you can get a backstory or um, anything like that. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, off the top of my head, I can't, or Outlander. Do you know the show Outlander? Um, I've heard of it. I don't think I've seen it, though. Okay, so there's a show on Stars, Outlander. It's based off of a series of books. So she also has, like... Uh, short novellas that go with it. It tends to happen um, quite frequently. A lot of authors do do it because just so they can kind of give their characters some sort of like backstory for the reader because people tend to think to themselves, oh, like, but how did this happen? Like readers tend to question a lot of characters also. Like, where did they come from? Who is this? Where are they from? And, you know, so that it's kind of a fun thing to do. So, and then you also get to know like how they know each other and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, it it almost would be like, um, I mean, the, the TV show is a great example, I guess, probably. But just like if you had a movie and then there was like a TV series that came out that that supported that and kind of told about that that world or those characters in ways that maybe didn't fit into the the original movie or whatever it might be, or in this case, the original book. Right, or like spinoffs, spinoffs too. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes sense. That's a really yeah, that's a really good comparison. So, uh, I mean you're producing this volume of work in, in such a short time. Are you, have you had you been writing books for years or did you just sit down in January of 2020 and <laughs> put pen to paper? Like how did, how did this all unfold? So funny enough, um, my first novel trapped inside humanity before I actually became trapped inside humanity. I wrote <laughs> that book about 10 years ago. Wow. And um, yeah. And what it is, what happened is that it, it was something that I wrote that I completely forgot about. And I guess I was just like not taking it serious at the time. Like I was dabbling in it and I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do with it. And as I was cleaning out my drawer one day, I'm like, hey, it's my book. Like, (laughs) what am I going to do with this? So I started looking through my computer and I found the files and I just started working on it again. So that's how that started. Like it it was just like a 10 year thing that happened. Um, I wasn't like, I wasn't, considering myself like uh, wanting to be a writer or anything. Um, my thing, my background is more poetry. I used to write poetry. I um, used to uh, compete in that sort of stuff. And then oh, cool. all of a sudden when I started switching, I was just like, all right, let me start writing short stories. Let me start writing longer stories. Let me write a book. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so cool. And I think, I think honestly, you know, the, the, for lack of a better word, the narrative about people achieving things much like yourself having achieved written these books is that it's this like this laser focus and you wake up one morning and you know what you're going to do and that's your mission. And, and, and if you're not that way, then like, good luck. And I think it's really cool to hear that you were able to, you know, it's something that you worked on and then had a pretty significant gap of time and then come back to it and then are still able to, to work with it and, and, you know, obviously turn it into a, to a, a published product at the end. Um, I just, I love hearing, I guess, 
non-traditional paths <laughs> to yeah. achieving things, right? Um, because it just it just goes to show that for maybe someone listening that isn't, you know, isn't also on a the quote unquote traditional path or something like, hey, it can still work, right? Like you don't have to <laughs> right. get it all yeah. done this week. Um, although 10 years later, you do have to get all three done in one year. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> right. You got to play so, catch up. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, you know, you mentioned that you wrote poetry. So did you, where, where did you just, I guess we'll just kind of start at the beginning. Where are you from? What is your family, a family of writers? Did you go, did you think you were going to write when you were a child or an adolescent? Like how, you know, even just poetry, like how did that all kind of shake out? Well, my background, I'm actually from Puerto Rico, but um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in what I would say is not the best of circumstances. Um, so growing up in the 80s, this, I do not come from a family of writers. I, can't, I come from a family of pretty much um, strong-minded, uh, working workaholics, I would like to say. Mm -hmm. So they, mm -hmm. they were just trying to get by. But um, I remember just being um, growing up and just constantly reading because where we lived in Brooklyn, it was, like I said, like poverty stricken and very, very dangerous to be outside. Like you couldn't go to the playground. So my mother was constantly like, well, I need to keep my child busy. There was no after school. This We're talking about like 88, 89 here. So my mom's like, right. all right, you know what? We're going to keep you reading because you like to do that. So I was constantly reading books, anything. Like I used to read her Daniel Steele books. It was terrible. But <laughs> like being like a 10, 11 year old kid in the closet, like, ooh. <laughs> so I used to do that. I mean, I was doing that. And then I remember being in fifth grade and telling my fifth grade teacher, I want to be a writer. I want to write a story. And she's like, okay. And I said, um, can you please read this over for me? I'm going to write a story and I want you to read it for me. I had no idea that it was called editing at the time. You know, I'm like oh, okay. 11 year old kid. So I'm like, can you please read this for me? And she's like, sure. So I went home, hand wrote a story, sent it to her. She looks at it, gives it back to me. And I can just remember in school saying to myself, I can't wait to get my story back. It's going to be so epic. She's going to love it. And it was just bleeding red. It was kind of like, <laughs> like and, I, and I did not understand. And I'm and I'm looking at the paper and I'm saying, but why, why did you correct everything? And she goes, honey, you need to pick up a dictionary. And I'm like, oh, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, That's was funny. my story good? <laughs> right. So, so, but she never touched on the story ever. Don't ask me what the story is about because I can't even remember 30 years later. I don't know. <laughs> but sure. Yeah. And I just remember being like so crushing. And um, so that's how that happened. So the idea of being a writer just kind of been dismissed since then. But I was always really good at researching and writing papers and being extravagant with my creative writing and things of that sort of nature. And it was then until like I really started when I went to college and I started meeting a group of friends and we were just always questioning things around us. We started the whole poetry groups, was in a whole poetry club, started competing. Um, we would go to this cafe out in New York City, actually the New York Rican Cafe. I've been there a couple of times and just you know, slamming down poetry was a lot of fun, a lot of fun back then. And then I just remember saying to myself, I think I'm gonna write a book. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's how the world of Bernice Burgos started. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that yeah, that's that's really that's really neat. And you know, it's interesting you talk about the experience with your teacher and the editing and and how she didn't really speak to the the plot or the right of the story at all. Right? It's just all the the technical aspects of it. And on the one hand, there's obviously there's truth to that, right? Like their editors are <laughs> not in short supply, um, and and it is true that how a story is received can change dramatically based on how it's told, even if the content is otherwise the same, if that makes sense. But then on the flip side of that, you're this, this poet and that's kind of the other direction, right? Where it's like, not that there's no rules, obviously there's a lot of form in in poetry, but at the same time, it also kind of breaks a lot of the, you know, traditional rules or or whatever. So I, I guess, how do you think about all of that now? Like, does, does your does your poetry inform or, or I don't know if informs the right word, but is, does it come up in your novel writing that you're doing? No. No, okay. <laughs> you know, and, and interesting enough, what's funny is that I started, you know, let me rephrase that. I don't want to come and say completely no. Um, yes, when it comes to description and certain descriptions, mm-hmm. I can see myself describing things in a more detailed way with a little bit more metaphors and more to the eye that if you were a poet, you would be like, hmm, that's like kind of poetry in motion there. Like, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but not so much where it's drowning the story and it's kind of like, now I'm reading a poetry book type thing. So yes and no. Yes, I do put it in a little bit and, um, and no, I, I don't want to, you know, go off in a tangent. And it's it's kind of funny that also that you asked that because like, as I'm writing my fourth book, I was thinking about my character writing a letter and I said, he should write a poem. Yeah. <laughs> I was like legit going to stick one of my old poems in there. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Oh, that's such a cool idea. <laughs> but that's fair. That's fair. I, certainly, I don't mean to, to imply that I know best, um, but that's no. a really cool idea. I hope you can find a way to work work one of your old poems yeah. in there. So do you have, I mean, obviously, the, the you know, writing the novels is, is consuming you now, but do you think you would ever return to trying to write poetry in a, like, to be published as a, a poet? Or maybe you are already a published poet. I guess I just made an assumption there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no you're, you're fine. Um, no, I'm not a published poet. Um, I, I would not... Um, like to say right now where my where my hobby is standing it is more of the novel and more of the the, I'm pretty much invested in the characters that I have now like I don't see myself going back to poetry um not because it's anything wrong or but it's just not that's like I've been there done that and it's kind of like I'm moving on now but I mean like I I have I, I love being on social media and there are plenty of poets that I met on Instagram and they're amazing and I'm just like wow like maybe one day and I'm like man I'm good (laughs) (laughs) just for me personally I'm like I'm good (laughs) yeah well so you know we've talked about your books a a little bit around them but we haven't actually said so if you wouldn't mind would you would you care to share the three titles of the the three books that you have yes so um the first novel is trapped inside humanity that's uh, book one the novel uh, and then it goes into the novelas, which one of them is Angel. And the second one is V Server Day, which is Latin for servant of the V, which the V would be okay. the vampire. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, in reading about the books a little bit, um, I thought it, I mean, they sound super, super cool. I love that kind of, um, I don't know what you call it. I I wanted to say aesthetic, but I don't know if that's the right word, but the the fantasy and, and, and not, I mean, I like, I like elves and dwarves and that kind of fantasy too, but I've always been especially drawn to, um, like the angels and demons or, you know, heaven and hell kind of struggle, even if it's not, you know, purely based on Christianity. And if it is, that's fine too. But just, I don't know what it is about that particular brand, I guess, of fantasy that I, I like so well. What what attracted you to that? Well, I would have to say that it must have been, I guess, the way my story was going. And also for the fact that um, I did I did grow up in a church. There's always the, the story like, where, where did that come out from? It's kind of, what's your background? Are you religious in any way? <laughs> I did grow up in a church, um, but it was something, and, 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 and full disclosure, this, this has, my books are, have nothing to do with wanting to let anyone know <laughs> what religion to pick or, or flowing. Sure, sure. Religion. But, um, no, no, I didn't think they did. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally make believe, but <laughs> yeah, they're but, fiction entirely. Yeah. <laughs> But what came out of it was just the fact that I questioned a lot too. Like, do we really have angels watching over us? It's always that whole thing where someone's like, I swear an angel's watching over me. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they are. So I, I kind of just ran with that idea. Like, yeah, there are angels following us. Her name's right. Angel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So do you, I mean, and this might, this might be completely off base then, but like, have you ever played like video games that that have the same kind of theme or tabletop games like a Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that or all of that's completely foreign. No, yeah, all well, that's completely foreign to me. Um but I read a lot of books that dealt with the high fantasy of including um Lucifer and angels and and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it was it kind of inspired me like I I hear like just to hear other people's takes on how they can turn some sort of stuff into fantasy the novels so i was just like oh wow let me try to do that but my books i think are a little different because i did have one person say to me one time um if you write about angels and, and demons there's no way you can throw in a witch and a shapeship a shapeshifter and a vampire and i'm like watch me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think that's I, and yeah absolutely you're right and i think that's super cool to have all of it and that's kind of what i mean by like it's not whether or not it's like dogmatic to a certain religion or not, but just that that overarching idea. And then the fact that you've combined it with other supernatural, um, I don't know, again, categories. I don't know. Yeah, genres. <laughs> know no, you're right. Yeah, the genres. Thank you. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's that's super neat. I personally am an avid video gamer and have probably gotten the most exposure to that kind of content through uh, gaming. And then I remember movies from when I was a kid, like, there was a movie, I think it's called like, oh, I think it's maybe it's Devil in a Blue Dress with Denzel Washington. That's like a, a demon. There's like a demon. Uh, now I can't think of that word. What is it called when someone's taken over by a demon? I can't believe I've lost this word. Possessed? Thank you. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, movies about possession and stuff like that I always yeah. thought were super cool.
so you know we were talking a little bit about the the length of of the books and how a, you know a novel is is a longer book and the novella is usually maybe 100 pages or so so how how aware are you when you're when you're developing these stories of the length like are you just kind of free writing and it can be however long it is and then you pare it down or are you constantly aware of the length as you're going oh i'm aware of it as i'm going um I try, well, in a novel, I'm just going to use it kind of very directly. In a novel, I try to aim for about 200 to 250 pages in my novel. I don't really want to go anywhere past that because I, I know there's people that can write six, 700 pages, but I kind of want to break my stories apart, you know, like, and just mm -hmm. see where else I can go. Um, so I definitely try to shorten it. And also... I, I do have a personal life on the outside. If writing was my full-time job, then yeah, I'll give you a Stephen King thousand page book here, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, sir, I have to go to my nine to five. So. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's fair. So I, I'm curious, you know, what, what is your writing process like? Are you, are you doing like free writing sessions or, 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 and again, I know with the first novel, at least it was, you know, something that you started a long time ago and then kind of came back to, but when you wake up like this fourth book that you're working on currently, what does that writing process look like when you sit down to work on it? Oh, I I've gotten very organized now. So now I try to at least hit a word count. Um, when I'm writing up, I have a whole plotting wall. I know you can't like, we can see, but people can't see us, but right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have this whole plotting wall that looks like, you know, mad scientist stuff. So <laughs> I'm constantly right. going back just to make sure that I don't have any holes going in. But, um, and, and that's just pretty much how my process is. And I try to sit for hours and pre-write. Okay. Okay. I have yeah. An, I ha yeah. I have an outline that I try to go by. And sometimes that, that even gets flushed down the toilet. It's, it's kind of be like, this is where I'm, I'm heading, but now my characters want to go somewhere else. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so what's your, I guess in a, in a, you know, a series like this, that that's, that's obviously, you know, again, fantasy and, and, and fiction. Um, I've talked to, to several fiction authors at this point, and I'm always fascinated to hear, sometimes there's actually a lot of research still involved. Obviously they can't research whatever the, the, you know, entirely fictitious part is, but there's settings and things that are still real. Do you find yourself researching things to, to write these stories? Yes. All the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Um, I, for example, my fighting scenes, you know, I'm not a doctor. So I sit back and when they're fighting, I have to research how it is to choke someone or, you know, what happens if you hit someone in the chest really, really hard or um, different countries. What What is the smallest town that no one has heard of in this country that I can use? <laughs> you know, yeah. Sometimes I'll tend to do things like that. Like I'll, I'll use a real place, but then the things in that place are not real. For example, um, in Trapped Inside Humanity, the, study, the setting is in New York City, but there are buildings and subways and places that she would take that it's not a real train or it's not an actual building in that certain street. So some of it is made up. And then right. when my characters are in the underworld, obviously all that's made up because no one lives to tell about it. So. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's really, that's a, that's a really interesting idea. And, and to some extent, like it, it creates the ability for the reader to be familiar, but at the same time to not be constantly like, eh, does that line up exactly with how it looks? Or is that exactly where, you know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. so it creates a familiarity, but also is freeing and <laughs> you're not having to constantly compare like that. Right. So I guess, you know, what part of the, of the writing process appeals to you the most? Is it, is it the developing of the characters? Is it just getting ideas out? Like what part of the writing is it that really energizes you? Walker, I do it for the applause. <laughs> <laughs> I do it for my fans of five. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, well, part of it is um, when I'm willing to bend the rules. Like, I am a total rule bender. I don't like conforming to <laughs> the way certain writing styles is. Writing has changed so much throughout the years. Is one thing that I have realize and even reading other people's work where I can see different writing styles, different creativities, all that stuff, different formatting, even formatting is different in books nowadays. Like that, that energizes me just to know that it's like, it's endless. Like you, you still have to abide by, of course, the grammar and all that kind of stuff that you want to, you know, cause you, you still want your story to get across properly, but it's just to know that there's endless creativity that you can put in a character or what you can do to, you know, do to settings. And that that's, that's what energizes me. And then seeing the finished product golden, like there's never a yeah. feeling until you see that hardcover book and you're just like, oh, my baby's born. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Yeah. I've talked to filmmakers before that have, have had an opportunity to watch an audience see their movie and, I just, it, obviously it's a lot harder to do that as an author because it takes a lot longer to read a book than it does to watch a movie usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's, I mean, what's that like when you do talk to people that have read the book? Is, is it, is it just incredibly exciting for you? Oh yes. Yes. I, I love when people are excited about it and they're just like, and they love a certain character or they hate a certain character. I've gotten that a lot. Like, oh my God, I, I really dislike this character. I wanted to choke him as I was reading it. And I said, then I'm doing my job as a writer because now I'm making you feel. And that's the biggest thing that a writer can do for a reader. If you're feeling what the characters are feeling, if you can see the setting, if you can smell what they're smelling, then you're there. And it's like, that, that's the best feeling because then I know that my writing got through to them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've I've found for myself that when it comes to to reading and not that I'm like some reading aficionado or something, but um I enjoy the writing I enjoy the most kind of occupies this middle ground where it it does enough describing that you know, I have a picture in my head, but at the same time it leaves out maybe some of the less important details. And then I'm kind of creating those on my own. But what that does is it, it makes it a lot more interactive, which previous to thinking about this, I had always thought of writing or excuse me, of reading as, as kind of a passive thing where you're just absorbing what's on the page. But whenever I'm really engaged, I find that I'm actually kind of filling in some of the blanks. Like maybe it's a diner, but they don't say what color the, the booths are in the diner. And right. maybe that's not relevant to the story. And so I'm creating that detail. Is, is that something that you, you think about at all? And, and if that makes any sense, even what I've just described? No, it makes perfect sense. Um, because a lot of 
what happens too is all description. Like there are a lot of writers that they can describe things down to the T. Like, you know, the character sat at a brown wooden desk and it was flimsy or, and, you know, and they go into describing this desk for three pages and you're like, <laughs> in your head, you're like, move on, Kathy. You're like, we know she's sitting at a desk. <laughs> right. But yeah, um, I, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, I find, uh, yeah, for me, it's like whenever that happens where I get stuck is I'm like, oh, well this desk is going to be like involved in some really critical plot point mm -hmm. because otherwise why would it have been described? As, and then it turns out, no, it's not. They right. just chose to describe it for that long. And then right. I'm yanking my hair out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause they try to put readers in that exact moment, but at the same time, like, you know, even like when I started writing, for example, I was less descriptive. And when I was working with my developmental editor, who's also a writer herself, she was saying to me, you need to describe things. You need to at least give a color. You need to at least. And I'm going, but do I really? Margaret Atwood doesn't really do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, she goes, but you're not Mar Margaret Atwood, you know. <laughs> she's, right. by the way, the creator of the whole Handmaid's Tale. So, um yeah, yeah. There's yeah. another book that she's really famous for, too, that's escaping me right now that I should know. Hmm. I can't remember. Either way, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I... Well, and I think it's interesting. I think that's really interesting to hear you say as well, because that is feedback that people will give is like, mm -hmm. we'll you know, do it this way because this is the way it's done. And it's like, well, some ultra successful person isn't that way. Well, you're not that person. Well, they weren't either originally, right? Like... Mm -hmm. So there's some, I, I get it. I mean, in podcasting, I get told all the time of all the different rules that I'm breaking, but then I point to, you know, Joe Rogan or someone like that. Now, am I Joe Rogan? No, but I don't know. Someone else can recreate it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Why does Joe Rogan is the only one that gets to break the rules though? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So do you, do you find yourself, you know, I know you said that, that right now you're really invested in this, this world and you've developed these characters now and they've all got ongoing stories. Do you find yourself just thinking about your characters all of the time? Like, are you, are you constantly, are they in your head all the time or are they separated to just when you're working? Oh no, it, it can, it can get a little loud in there. <laughs> 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 no, they don't want to be quiet. And that's a good thing, though. That is a good thing. Like, if you as a writer can hear or get ideas as you're just going along with your day, then you know you have an, an idea going on. It's when it gets super quiet that that's when you know, uh oh, I'm heading towards like a writer's block because mm. I can't think of anything. I can't. My characters are like, I, I know where I want to put them, but it doesn't feel right. And then you kind of just can't dialogue in your mind. It, it gets, it, it, it's weird. It's, it's a weird feeling. Like I've had writer's block before, writer's block before. And I feel I would, I wouldn't wish that on my own enemy. <laughs> like it's not fun, you know? And I don't know if you heard this or maybe um, if you have, maybe you can fact check, I'm not too sure. Um, the creator of Game of Thrones. I was told that oh. he wasn't able to finish his book because he caught writer's block. That's, oh, that's, I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how true it is either, but I will say, so I was, I, I read the books and uh, people who've listened to the show before have maybe heard me complain about this in the past, but I, so I read the books starting in like, Oh seven, I think. And the show didn't come out until, I don't know, 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. 
so when the show came out, I had read every book that had been released to that point. And, and yeah, he just stopped writing the books once the show came out. Now, whether it was writer's block or whether he just got rich from the show and didn't care anymore. I don't, I don't really know. Um, but it's been a huge point of frustration for me because he wrote the first book of Game of Thrones in 1996. Right. And, they're still not done. And it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, please. So fans of you will not have that problem because you're the opposite of that guy. You're churning them out three in a year. That's incredible. <laughs> but maybe when I become rich and famous like him and the pressure is on and popping, I'm probably going to be like, oh, my God, I need a ghostwriter now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, once you get the Netflix deal or whatever, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and obviously, obviously, I know you're focused on on the the, the books and, and on that work. But is it a, is it a, like a real aspiration to have these things turned into a show or a film or something like that later? Or is that if it happened to be great, but it's not really something that you're aiming for? I've I've actually have been speaking with a friend of mine who is a script writer. So um, because for the novellas, I was definitely thinking that maybe one day hopefully yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know you never know maybe it can be a series so stars hulu's netflix if you're listening to this <laughs> any agents out there <laughs> i have a show for you but uh, <laughs> but yes no it is something that i think about and um i would love to get into um it's all about timing is how i feel right now I'm sure definitely all about timing do you feel like the novellas, and and I mean, I, certainly yours specifically, but just in general, do you feel like a novella is better adaptable to something like that because it's not as long? And, and what I mean by that is like the classic problem, I mean, even with Game of Thrones, like you have these novels and then it gets pared down into a show and not everything that's in the books makes it, right? But as the author... Right. You included all that stuff in the book for a reason. Like, is that something, does that make sense at all where I'm going with that? Like, would the novella be more ideal for the show uh, because yeah, of that? Right. Now, what you say is making perfect sense. Um, in my case, I'm thinking that the novellas will because I'm probably going to have more novellas than I would of a novel. Mm. So, um that that's why it would work in my case. Like you, I, I don't know if you know, like there are some movies, there are some books that turn into movies and it's mainly because it's a standalone book, you know, it, like think of uh, Stephanie May Meyer, for example, when she had all her, um, all the vampire books that came out twilight, you know, oh, that right, was right. a, right. So that was a series of novels she had that were turned into a series of films <laughs> where right. I was like, maybe if it would have been a Netflix show, it could have probably been ongoing and it kind of would have probably spun somewhere else, but who knows? We don't know. Right. Right. But I guess in my case, I'm thinking long-term, I don't want just one movie or two movies and it's like, Oh yeah, I saw both the movies and that was it. No, I, I want a season two, three, four and five and six. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. So, one 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 kind of weird question I have, but have you thought to send uh, a copy of of one of your books, maybe maybe signed in red ink, to your fifth grade teacher from so long ago? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> you totally should. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I just dedicate my next book 
author to my fifth grade teacher, my first editor. <laughs> Look at me now. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I like I, the problem is I can't really remember her name and that's terrible, but she was a wonderful woman. I would have to say that she was a wonderful woman. Definitely, you know, had me boots to the ground running there. Like, this is what you're going to get yourself into in real life. Buckle up, mm. lady. <laughs> right. Right. No, that's awesome. Um, well, Bernice, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you here this evening. Um, again, the, the the website that you've got, the, and I'll have a link in the show notes so people can just click directly on it, and that's berniceburgosauthor.com. Um, I'll also have a link to your, your Amazon uh, page so people can see the books there if, if that's where they prefer to shop. But anywhere else that you would like me to direct people to connect to you, any social media or anything like that? Yes, absolutely. They can catch me on Bernice Burgos underscore fiction underscore author. <laughs> and and I'm sorry, what platform was that was that on? Oh, that's on Instagram. Instagram? Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll make sure and have a link for your Instagram there as well. Um, well, Bernice, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much for stopping by this evening. Thank you so much for having me, Walker. It's been fun. Definitely.
shares all her plans and clocks takes her day. Too many models to remember. She'll try again next day. Any indication of where she's going? Did she say she left a path of destruction on a bed of nails she made? That's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Bernice for stopping by and sharing her walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. And last but not least, thank you, listener, for listening. I also invite you to check out my other shows, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we explore the idea of why gaming matters, or my other show, The Crowfall Podcast, which shares stories and perspectives from the MMO Crowfall. Both of those shows are available on any podcast app. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.